Well, good morning. Hello to the two of you as well. Good morning, Orange Coast. Yeah, a little bit better. Well, today, like it's been said already, um, you know, today is a very special Sunday. We all gather here to worship together. To I lost my sound. To to worship together. To to praise the Lord and to celebrate what God has been doing in our lives. And one of the ways that we get to do that is by uh, celebrating together as we have so many wonderful baptisms that will take place immediately after the service. In fact, you know, as much as we can, I like to keep that as part of the service. And so in order to do that, I'm going to keep my time very brief, and I'll ask you to, to join me immediately afterwards outside. Well, today, uh, you know, we get to continue in the book of Luke. Uh, if you're just joining us uh, as a guest, uh, this whole year we've been just traveling little by little through the Gospel of Luke. And, uh, you know, today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 13, right in the middle of chapter 13. Last week, uh, Pastor Jenny kind of brought us through that, that first part. And, uh, you know, we wrestled with some, some kind of difficult things to grasp. But uh, today I, I think it's a, a little bit simpler. So uh, that's good for, for me. It's good for all of us. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at Luke 13, 10 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, you can kind of get that ready, and we'll go there in a second. You know, as you can see, it says uh, little things that grow. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about today, is that these little things in our lives, whether they're little decisions, choices that we make, habits we pick up, right? These little things they tend to accumulate, to grow, to, to turn into much bigger things. Mike, you can click on that first picture. This is about a year ago, almost exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have always enjoyed coffee, uh, but within the past couple of years, I've really uh, become uh, more interested and curious. And, and so you, you can see uh, that is me. Uh, a year ago, and I'm next to uh, Martin Diedrich. If you uh, have been around here for a while, then maybe you're familiar with Diedrich Coffee. Um, there were a uh, kind of specialty coffee house uh, locally that came about in 1983. Uh, the Diedrich family had a roastery here in Newport Beach in 72 uh, and continued to operate, but um, it was interesting for me to, to take a class with Martin and, and to learn about a lifetime in coffee industry. Um, he grew up on farms in um, South America, and you know he had been around coffee his whole life. Uh, he told me about how, you know, in 1983 he, he be, became um, well. He started these coffee shops, and then they grew and grew and grew. And at that same time in the 90s, uh, a little bit later, then uh, Starbucks started to come down south and started to trickle in Orange County. And he thought, hey, this is, this is our area. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to be the coffee spot, you know, in Orange County. And so they continued to grow to the point where they eventually became publicly traded and under a uh, couple different names. You know, they had about, I think he said about 500 stores worldwide. And they were, at one point, the major competitor to Starbucks. Well, some things happened, um, you know, at the kind of corporate level, and they ended up, uh, he ended up kind of getting 
uh, pushed out of his own company, and uh, and the board ended up selling Deidre Coffee for $290 million. After all of this, uh, he, he told me he pretty much broke even. He you know, was not kind of rewarded for that uh, effort that he put in, that, that uh, there were some individuals that you know, took the majority of the money and kind of left them outside. And uh, so from that experience, he started over, and, and now he has two shops, uh, which are Keen Coffee, uh, two shops, one, one roastery in Newport and in Tustin. And those uh, continue, one of my favorite spots to visit. But it was interesting to hear him as, as these things just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and the lessons that he learned. And, and when I thought about that and I looked at this picture of myself, um, you know, many of you that have been with me for this past uh, couple of years, you, you've seen that. You know, I've lost about 60 pounds, a little bit less maybe, and become, you know, I've always been pretty active in sports and stuff, but I've uh, been able to be even more active. And, you know, of course, I'm all, people are always, oh, what did you do? What have you been doing? And, you know, I, pretty much what I tell people is, you know, it's better choices, little things, consistency over time. Make better choices with what you're doing, what you're eating, and what you're doing. So it's just being consistent, consistent over time, right? One thing that, that I learned from Martin, you can go to the next slide, is about coffee itself. Now, coffee is a fruit. I think the closest thing that I've seen to it is kind of like a grape, but it's like an inverted grape. So go to the next slide. That's the inside. Most of them have two um, seeds, if you will. I got, I got lucky I had three in one of mine. Uh, but this is coffee fruit, and when you kind of pop it open, there's these seeds in there. It's almost like grapes, but it's inverted, like I said, because when you think about a grape, the kind of um, the fruit part is big, and then you have a little seed in the middle. Well, coffee is like the opposite. There's a really small layer of fruit, and then the seed is huge. That's what we think of as the coffee bean, right? Okay, go to the next one. So I asked Martin, you know, how do you grow these? You know, how, you know, just for kicks to, to have a plant. And I notoriously am terrible with growing anything. So I thought, you know, this will be fun. Maybe I can, I can change. And, and so uh, I planted it and just put the bean in, in some uh, starter soil, pushed it down a little bit, and then, you know, every day I watered it. Next one. After about a month, you can kind of begin to see a little bit of sign of life. And that was frustrating for me because every day for, you know, a month, I'd be watering this thing and nothing's happening. You know, I, I can do nothing and weeds pop up all over left and right. But, you know, this is taking a lot of time. Next. This is about two and a half months out. It's the oddest thing because that, that seed or what we think of as a coffee bean, the whole thing pops up. And, and, and it, it is the, the kind of the, the, the top portion. And, and if you know coffee, is, it's, not a, it's really a tree, right? Uh, these are fruits. So next slide. And then out of that, that seed, that bean, that shell, begins to kind of come off. And out of that comes the, the leaves, the first part of the tree. So go ahead. And so this is, I don't know, maybe four months or so. Next slide. 
And then this is this morning. This is a few of mine. And, and you know, they, they grow, uh, you know, different uh, seeds have done better than others. Um, and, and from the, the start, these little planters that I had were like about that big. And now that top one there is about this big. Um, just to accommodate kind of larger root structure. So, uh, you know, this is about a year, and it has, you can see it has grown very little. And, and for many people, that, that's frustrating. For me, that's kind of frustrating. But every day, you know, that's one of my things that every day as I walk out my door, uh, then I grab my little water thing, and then I, I water them. Next slide. And this is, uh, you know, a coffee farm. So you could see that eventually, given many, many years, they, they grow into trees. And uh, from what I've heard, you know, it will take at least three years before you even have the potential of having any kind of fruit, um, you know, from that first planting. So anyways, that's, uh, that's something that, that I learned that I thought was interesting. Um, you know, maybe some of you here, that's the first time you've, you've seen coffee actually grow. Uh, it's very bizarre uh, to see that that kind of coffee, what you think of as a coffee bean, pop out of the soil. I thought, you're kidding, right? This is a joke. Like, what is going on here, right? But that's how it goes. Little by little, over time, it grows. Let's look at our passage in, in Luke 13, 10 to 21. Luke thirteen ten it says on a Sabbath or on on a uh, on their holy day for us that's Sunday for them that was what we think of as Saturday or Friday into Saturday and uh, on a Sabbath Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues or you can think of it as kind of like the church and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for eighteen years she was bent over and could not straighten up at all when Jesus saw her. He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. I think it's interesting because this lady, we don't know how old she is. We don't know if she was, you know, she had been like this her whole life, if she, uh, you know, had an injury later in life, uh, what the cause was. But it's interesting to me that it seems like she was a regular attender. Um, no one really thought anything of it. She came in to worship like normal. Uh, from, from what we think, you know, this, this condition, she was probably, you know, stuck, kind of crouched over. And for her to, to look up or anything would have been very awkward as she would have had to kind of turn. And, uh, you know, it was not comfortable. It would have been much easier for her to maybe stay at home and worship or uh, to do something, you know, like that. But, here she is, and she's coming in with everyone else to worship. And on this particular day, she gets called up by the Lord. And when she comes up, he touches her, and she's healed. What does she do? She responds immediately, right? She praises God. I would too. Verse 14, it says, Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Now we know, um, if you've been journeying along with us, then, then you know that, that there were many, 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 many rules that they had that they were following, that 
the law that they received. We had these church leaders that would add more rules to help them keep the original rules. And they continued to pile on these rules so much that it was a burden. It was hard to just get through each day. One of those things was there's so many rules about the Sabbath and what you could not do because you were not supposed to work. So what you know, qualifies as work? And you know, what, how much could you do without it being work? And what things were allowed? And at some point, one of those things that they said was not allowed was healing. And so this church, the synagogue leader, instead of you know, maybe confronting Jesus directly, having a conversation with him or in the afterwards, or he kind of makes a statement to the people. He kind of scolds them. He, he, he says, hey, there's six days, six days of work. Come on, six out of seven days. Why don't you come on one of those days? Don't come on the Sabbath for healing. And remember, this, this lady did not, she did not come on the Sabbath and say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I need your help. A few weeks ago, we, we, we remember we, even some people were brought in by their friends. Nobody brought her for healing. She just came to worship. Jesus called her out and healed her. And yet something in the heart of this man, of this leader, said, that's wrong. I can't believe he broke the rule. And I'm going to say something about it. It bugged him. Well, Jesus answers him in 15. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. How many of you have, have pets? Maybe have a dog? A few of you? Okay. What would happen to that dog if you didn't allow it to drink? If you didn't allow it to go outside if it's an indoor dog to use the restroom or you know, to do these normal things? It would be a problem, right? And so Jesus, he confronts this leader and he says, wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> You're upset that this woman got healed. Don't you guys do work? Do a little bit of work? Don't you allow yourself space to untie your animals and lead them to water so they can have water, so they don't go without water for 24 hours, right? Don't you do that? And rhetorically, of course, they would say, yeah, yeah, that's something we do. That's kind of a, a, a not a, maybe not a loophole, but something that they had kind of bent, saying, hey, that's not work, or that's just a little bit of work. That's enough work that we're okay without breaking the rule of resting on the Sabbath day. And so just Jesus says, that's your animal, this woman, you guys, you are so proud that you are descendants of Abraham, that you are these proud people, that you are God's people. And this is your sister. 
a co-heir in that same thing. Much more important than an animal. Your animal has not drank for 24 hours. You won't allow that to happen. And yet this woman, this woman, your sister, has been stuck in this condition for 18 years. 18 years. And you're upset about it, right? And that's why he says, you hypocrites. And all of Jesus' opponents were humiliated. Inside, they were humbled. They realized, wow, he, he, wow, he, got, he got me. Like, he really spoke the truth. It just pierced their hearts. And they knew, wow, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Verse 20, again, he asked, or 18, I'm sorry. Then Jesus asked them, he asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took. Very small seed. It grows into a, a, a shrub or a bush. It says, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree. And the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. <laughs> Lynn is laughing because if you ever baked anything, 60 pounds is a lot of flour. It's a lot, right? But he's talking about these little things. He says, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like these little things, this tiny mustard seed. Normally, it will grow into maybe a shrub, right? But this mustard seed that got planted, it got huge. It grew into a tree and was so stable that even birds could rest in it, right? What is it like? It's like this yeast that causes the, the dough to rise, that kind of, it, it spreads it and it... Um, I won't say infects, but it permeates through the uh, the dough, right? And uh, and we're not talking about just a little bit. He says sixty pounds is a lot. That even that that yeast it will spread into this huge amount, this huge amount. And I have a few thoughts. <laughs> I have a few thoughts because for me, as I look at my own life. As week after week, you know, I, I'm able to be here with you and, and to do ministry. There's a lot of times when I think, what is the kingdom of God like? I feel like I'm doing so little. You know, God says, man, it's going to be this big thing. The harvest is plentiful, right? And I think, I'm just doing this little thing. What's going on, God? What's going on? And in one breath, you know, I feel the Lord is just like, hey, some of us, we've been doing this little thing, consistently even, like watering that seed. And we're thinking, what is going to happen? God, why is there not this tree coming out? Why is there not this huge thing that birds are landing on? What's going on? And yet we know that 
that some of these things, they, they take time, right? They take time. It's not immediately. But the result is that it's going to grow. It's going to grow and expand into this huge thing. In another breath, I think about all the little things, the positive things in my life. Maybe it's family members that have said encouraging words that have loved me day after day. Maybe it's choices that I've made, like I shared with you in the last you know, year. Choices that I've made in, in you know, how much I'm going to eat or what I'm going to eat or how active I'm going to be in my exercise or sports, you know, those kinds of things, and doing that consistently. And over time, it has made a big change. These little choices have become a big difference, right? And as I have learned and and, uh, done a little bit better in, in trying to grow things, you know, I learned that it's really, it's not, I have no control over, uh, you know, hey, grow faster, you know, get bigger. You know, I, I do what I can. I water every day. I position, you know, as the sun changes and that, I position so there's the right amount of sun. I do what I can, but the rest is up to God, right? And when I look at this passage, I think about the people that were here, the woman that day after day, may, or week after week, I should say, Crippled, shows up to church, worships God, praises him. I'm sure she was praying, heal me, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me, Lord. Right? Week after week. And then one day, she meets Jesus. All he does is is proclaim that freedom over her, touch her, and she's transformed. Right? And that church leader, you know, I like to think that he started out with great intentions, with a good heart, that, that he really wanted to, to make a difference, to, to serve the Lord. And yet somewhere in there, the little choices, the little thoughts, the things that he thought and entertained, maybe those little things added up and changed his heart so much that he couldn't see this beautiful, wonderful thing that this sister who had been worshiping there week after week is now free and transformed, and yet he sees it as wrong. In closing, you can put up the weekly challenge. You could take a photo of this. Uh, I'll send it out during the week as well. Um, What I want to what I want to say is that for each of us you know our lives are full of little choices. I think a lot of times we think about the big choices, right? Maybe you're a student and how are your grades going to be which leads to what school are you going to? What career are you going to get? Who is your spouse going to be? How are you going to raise your kids? Are they going to turn out all right? What school are they going to get into? What are, you know, these big kind of points in our life that we think of, these are such huge, major things. And a lot of times it's easy to just disregard all the little choices 
the thoughts we have, the decisions we make. But that's what life is made out of, right? And so we have that ability to positively or negatively affect or influence our life, to set ourselves up, to grow different areas, whether good or bad in our life, that we're able to grow those things, to water them daily. Today we get to see some of the fruit, some of the fruit from years and years of care, of prayer and love. We get to see the life-transforming change that comes when Jesus calls someone, touches them, and sets them free. Today we, we get to witness baptism. And baptism, you know, I like to mention baptism is not a requirement for salvation. Okay, there's nowhere that says if you're not baptized, you're not saved. Uh, you know, always the first thing I think of is the man on the cross next to Jesus. He didn't get baptized. And yet the Lord said today he would see him in paradise. Salvation comes from the grace of God when we accept Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior. We become his disciple. That means that we leave our old life and pick up a life of following Jesus, learning from him, deepening our relationship with him. Baptism is not a requirement of salvation. Yet in the Bible, all these places where we see baptism happening, it's usually because that person got saved. They got saved and they said, wow, my life is different. I got saved. What should I do? Get baptized. And then they're baptized. Even our Lord Jesus was baptized by his cousin John. So we join our Lord in obedience. We follow after his example, and we're also baptized. You know, we publicly declare, we say that we are his disciples, that we will follow after him. And what we get to witness today is water baptism. It's symbolic of the experience we have with Jesus. That we're saying we will follow him. We will die to our old ways. In fact, be buried. We bury the old man and we rise up new. We rise up a new creation to new life. Let's pray and then I'll give you further instructions on how to proceed. Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we thank you that your word uh, speaks to us. Lord, I thank you for how your word has spoken to me this week and, and just as I consider my own life and, and you know all the choices that I make every day for myself, for my children, for those that I love. All of these things, Lord God, all these things are growing something. The thoughts that I have, they're growing something, positive or negative. So, Lord, it's my prayer that, that all of us would be growing towards you, that we would be watering the things that you've called us to water, and that we would be seeking you first in everything that we do, in all the little things. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name because we know that you have been working amazing, amazing wonders in many of our lives. 
and we get to hear about those things. We get to share in this joy that our brothers, that our sisters have and watch them be baptized in your name. So Lord, I pray a blessing over each person here. I ask that for each person present that you would speak to them, continue to fill them with your spirit, that you would walk with them and make yourself known, Lord. That they would know that you're with them, that you're for them and not against them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going we're gonna to turn the lights on. We're going to open the back doors. And I'm going to ask you guys if you can walk completely outside because uh, we had a time before where everyone kind of walked outside and found their spot and everyone inside couldn't get out. So we don't want to trap anybody, okay? Um, so walk all the way outside. You can surround the hill even on the backside.